0: All right, three to to seven can go. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. I had been preaching through the book of Ephesians. And I backed off of it for a little bit, and I'm going to come back and finish up on that.
1: On February fourth, Travis Coffman killed. Hold up, just a second.
0: I did. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> I was, uh, wondering if I was the only one that was hearing that. <laughs> I do want to start my message with the video. If nobody else gets nothing out of this, Nathan will enjoy it. No, it's not Zacchaeus. <clears throat> um, just to kind of give you an idea. I don't know if any of y'all heard about the uh, the runner that was in Colorado. But it was attacked by a mountain lion and ended up choking the mountain lion out. This is kind of a, um, this goes with my message, it's not just an entertaining thing. So, um, before I, before we show that, I want to read the scripture to you out of Ephesians chapter 6, one that most everybody's very familiar with, Um, and look at that kind of in depth over the next couple of weeks. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, finally... in the evil day, and having done all to stand, and then it goes down through the armor of God. Um, a lot of times we go straight to the armor of God, and I saw something in this time when I was studying through this that I don't want to talk to you about this morning, uh, where it starts off and it says, "Be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might." But before we go into that, I want to look at this uh, video, and, uh, and then you'll
1: figure out why I'm doing that. <coughs> February 4th, Travis Kaufman killed a mountain lion in Colorado. Now we know exactly how he did it. He was running on a mountain trail when he heard the pine needles rustling behind him. Feeling something wasn't right, he stopped to look and the mountain lion was right there less than 10 feet away. He threw up his hands and began yelling. That's when the lion pounced and latched onto his wrist. After getting clawed several times in the face, Travis tried throwing the cougar but that's when they tumbled off the trail and Travis ended up on top. He passed the guard and used his left knee to control its lower legs and then tried stabbing it the neck several times but the stick broke he grabbed a rock and blasted its head still no release finally he shifted his balance and stepped on its neck after nearly two minutes of direct pressure the mountain lion died and he got away now let's discuss the three additional chokes that every mountain jogger must master before they hit the trails if you can sneak behind the animal during the scuffle use the mata leon wrap the neck grab the bicep lock it in hold on as tight as you can and don't let go until they're gone If during the scuffle, you end up underneath the mountain lion who's trying to eat your face, manage the distance, hug the neck, grab your own sleeve, slide the wrist in front, and extend both arms. This will neutralize the bite and put them to sleep with the Ezekiel choke. If the mountain lion maintains a bite on your wrist after the descent, the Ezekiel choke will not work, but don't worry, remove your opposite sleeve, Blind the lion, wrap its neck two times, use your knee to hold the fabric, and pull tightly. With this much alavanca, he'll be unconscious in six to ten seconds, and that's when you make your escape. No matter what you do, do not tie your hoodie around your waist. It gives you a fluffy tail and makes you a prime target for other predators as you leave the forest. Instead, tuck the entire hoodie inside itself, wear it as a backpack, tighten the straps to keep it from bouncing around, and then make your way down the mountain as quickly as possible. All jokes aside, Travis, we're very glad that you're okay. And to add to your survival arsenal, we want to grant you one year of free Gracie Jiu-Jitsu training at any certified training center around the world and free convertible outerwear from quickflipapparel.com. We see you on the map. On February 4th, Travis Kaufman killed a mountain lion in Colorado. Now we know exactly how he did it. You
0: like that, didn't you, Nathan? Hey, y'all know that stuff does work. It works. So here's my question for you after watching that. Um, I know most of you paid attention because we're programmed to watch TV in this culture. But how many of you actually took at least mental notes? How many of you paid attention to them? <laughs> I know you don't need to. I and I'm going to use that right there in just a second. But or or maybe wrote down a reference to that video. How many of you? How many of you actually intend on learning what he just said? How many of us simply watched and thought, wow, that was crazy, and we remember we remember just enough to tell someone else our version of the video? Because here's the thing. <clears throat> most of us <laughs> ain't gonna do nothing with that. Because we don't believe, number one, that we're gonna be attacked. Number two, we don't we're not gonna put ourselves in a place to where we can be attacked. You know, you say, well, there's no cougars in East Texas you know, for the most part, so I'm not going to worry about that. Some people want to gamble with the odds and go, what are the chances even if you're in, you know, a place where cougars are that you're going to be attacked? And then other people just simply take on, you know, a passive attitude to go, you know, whatever, I'll deal with it when it happens. But here's the thing. The same exact thing happens to believers. 1 Peter 5a says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, your enemy, the devil, Walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And here's the thing: you can and you will be attacked. This is not a well. You know. Uh, you know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. B- because the Bible clearly states that this is war. This is not a. You know. The fact that you're a child of God puts you in the environment of attack. You don't just go, well, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a Christian, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, trust Jesus as my Savior and follow Him, but I'm not gonna get so involved that I have to deal with the, with the warfare of it. I'm not gonna get, you know, I'm not gonna be one of those who are, who take you overboard. I'm just gonna to come to church, sit here, and And so understand that you, when you're, if you're a true believer, you don't just avoid the devil. You don't make a deal with the devil to go. You know what? Since I'm not a preacher, the devil's not going to attack me. You will be. And here's the thing: if you are passive, if you're just like flipping and whatever, you know, the the odds are 100% of an attack. And if you just take that lightly, it's going to be devastating. And I think that's where most people are in, in the churches today. Believers today come to a place where we're, like, we're just real passive. I mean, or, or we minimize what true spiritual warfare is. To the point to where we go, well I know that I'm gonna have some trouble and some trials and probably, you know, sometime I'll, you know, lose my job or financial stuff or, you know, I'll have a bad day and get a flat tire and that kind of stuff and that's, that's what we make spiritual warfare out to be. The far opposite end of the scale is people you know demon hunters and and that kind of stuff whereas i want to look at this the biblical teaching of this and and i want you to understand what it is because it it can you can have a great victory in life because the battle is the lord's god's already won the victory jesus has already fought the the war but he calls for us to rise up and to take victory in the battles in our life understand this uh I won't go there, but real quick, in First Chronicles chapter fourteen, verses eight through ten, it talks about David when he became king, and I'm just going to give you the gist of it. It says, "And when the Philistines, now you remember, the Philistines were David's bitter enemy, and when you study the Old Testament and you see the enemies of Israel in the Old Testament, God's given us a physical picture of the New Testament warfare. That's what it is. And so it said, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king. That they set out to seek him. They were coming to war against him. And David inquired of the Lord and he said, Lord, shall I go out in battle? And the Lord said, yes, rise up and I will give your enemies into your hand. And so when you look at that in the New Testament uh, teaching there, what you, what you got is the fact of any time that you make a decision, whether it's a decision to go, I want to trust Jesus as my savior and you're a born again believer at that time. Whether it's a decision to go, I want to put away some things in my life. I want to follow the Lord closer. I want to, I want to make this change or that change. All hell, when they hear of that change, they're coming against you. And the good thing is that the Lord says, then rise up and fight. But you got to fight in the Lord's way and he's going to give your enemies into your hand and it's for his glory is what it's for. And so I want to read a couple of things uh, that the Bible talks about with Satan. The Bible says, number one, Satan is a deceiver, that he's an adversary. These are the titles that the Bible gives Satan throughout, not all of them, but a few of them, a deceiver, uh, your adversary, enemy, destroyer, conqueror, murderer, liar, lion. Dragon, thief, and ruler of darkness. That's who he is. We could spend weeks looking at the those names because they describe his character. It also gives us an idea of his purpose and his agenda and how he goes about it. Understand he is out for you. He is out for your witness, for your testimony, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren, anything to do with your family, our church, our community, our nation, any and everything that has to do with what is good, what is right, what is light, the glory of God. He despises and hates God with all of his heart. You were created in the image of God even if you're lost. You were created in God's image and He has set His heart to destroy and, and and to rob God of that glory and of that image. Anything that glorifies Jesus and brings people to the truth, He is 100% devoted and bent to destroy that. And God's people need to wake up to that and be aware that the battle is here. It's not coming, it's in our face. And he's brought the battle. Okay, And I want you to understand, I've told you this before, but it's God's people. It's God's people who should be rising up declaring war. Not running in fear. I'm not preaching something to try to instill fear in you. I watched the um, interview with this guy, Travis Kaufman, on the line attack, and he said, one of the things that he said in one of the interviews I looked at, he said, I I realized at that moment that if I was going to survive that I had to change my fear response into a fight response. And God's people have been hiding in the building way too long. And if we're gonna survive, and if our, if our churches are gonna survive, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, survive in our marriages and our families and what's coming against this next generation, our children and grandchildren, then we've gotta, we've gotta stop having a fear response. I'm, I'm scared to talk to people, I'm fearful of what the devil will do, I'm fearful of what people will think, I'm fearful of rejection, I'm fearful of what I'll look like if I don't have all the answers, and you've gotta turn it to a fight. Response, not fighting against people. The Bible says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm not into going out and you know sh- sh- waving signs at people's faces and and judging all that. Paul explicitly pointed out in Romans one sixteen, he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ the good news of Jesus for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek and so when I talk about fighting I'm not talking about you know becoming a Pharisee and go out and judging people and those kind of things but I am talking about biblically standing on truth and light and grace and 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 having God's word hidden in my heart and living God's word and breathing God's word and speaking God's word and loving people and aggressively bringing the battle to them because Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16 when he talked about he said who do you say that I am Peter said you are the Christ the son of the living God and he said uh, and I said to you that you are Peter and on this rock not the rock of Peter but up on this rock the rock of Jesus I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates do not fight. They try to hold us out. They try to keep you from reaching lost people. And God clearly points out, my church is my army. You remember what Jesus said to Pilate when Pilate asked him if he was a king? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then certainly my servants would rise up and fight. That goes to show you that we, if you're a child of God, you are in His kingdom. You are His servant. So there should be something to me that, that says, you know what? Not only is Christ under attack, and not only is this culture attacking, and not only is the Word of God attacking, but there should be something that provokes me to go, I'm going to rise up on behalf of my king, and I'm going to fight. Right, right. Again, remember what I'm saying when I'm saying fight. Okay? I want you to listen to me. We're living in one of the most darkest times in history not spilling a bunch of blah on you this morning but it don't take a whole lot for you to look at the news i don't look at the news a whole lot this week i spent a lot of time researching and doing some things and it's just honestly you can take off two weeks from looking at the news and look at it later and go what is happening the acceleration the rate that the darkness and wickedness is accelerating in this culture in our nation okay is absolutely falling apart one person at a time One marriage at a time, one church at a time, one family at a time, one student at a time, one young person at a time, it has happened quickly and it is happening in open sight. And again, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna give you a bunch of, you know, bad stuff, but I gotta give you some bad stuff to prepare you for the good stuff. If we're just gonna be real, I just wanna be real with you this morning. And you, and you think about what's going on in our world, um, me and Jeremy was talking about it yesterday. I don't. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. Only He knows that. But when I look back, just over the last ten years, ten years. I don't got to go back to, you know, the eighties. I look at ten years and go, what in the world is happening with our culture, with the morals, with 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 the, the attack on God's word? When you look at just simply technology, morality, and you look at. Um, Uh, A religion Islam All of them are, are coming to a pinnacle Understand this This is not a fear monger preaching But Islam is coming like a freight train And there's no stopping it You better wake up to that reality In this country It's coming like a freight train And at this rate The way that God's people respond to that There is absolutely no slowing it down we were at the prison ministry. We we're going to get an opportunity, I think, to go back this Friday. And one of the things that the um, the pastor there was telling me, he says said uh, how many people come through each month there at just the gurney unit. And he talked about that like 80% of those people are professing Islam now. And you can look at the statistics yourself. I will not spend a lot of time on that this morning. But I think we need to you know, kind of shake us up to go... Well, you know what, I, you know, I look at myself, I'm in my forties, you know, 20 years, 30 years, you know, even to that, I, I'm thinking, whew. But at this rate, I go, how can we continue? We can't. One of two things are going to happen. The Christ is going to come back or you're going to see Christian genocide in the United States of America and not too long ahead. Right. I'm talking about my grandbabies right. and your grandbabies and your children. That if we so flippantly set aside and do nothing and we hope that the pastor, you know, runs the war for us, I'm not at home with you. And if I was, probably wouldn't help a whole lot, but I'm not at your house. I'm not training your kids. I'm not raising them up. I'm not preparing them. I'm not the one who's hiding God's word in their heart. I'm not the one who's influencing them mostly. You are. You were given those kids. You were given those grandkids. We as a church are given this opportunity in our community. To rise up in the fight, the fight that God's called us to fight. The word of God says, fight a good fight. And I'll give you something else, and I'm not, I'm not got things I'm harping on, but just in reality, homosexuality and perversion are so rampant and blatant in this country right now. Don't, you don't go, well, that's off in Hollywood and and, and Dallas. No, that's in Palestine, Elkhart, Pert, Texas. You don't go anywhere without being subjected to that. And I know that people say, well, that's the same. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. Because when you study God's Word and you look at Romans chapter 1, you study it for yourself and you see what conclusion you come to. That when a nation as a whole comes to a place where homosexuality and perversion of all sorts are out blatantly, openly in the light, it is the result of the hardening of the heart towards God, towards His Word, and it's the devil perverting the image and the glory of God to a point to where God turns a people over to a reprobate mind to do that, which is what the Bible says, unseemly for them because there is a hatred and a despite before God so much that they don't even want to retain God in their knowledge and you can look at the Bible you can look at world history and when a nation and a people as a whole come to that judgment will quickly follow That's right. period no arguing that we are at the place the Roman Empire was at when it crumbled and here's the thing Christianity crumbled the Roman Empire the Roman Empire here is crumbling Christianity and there's a lot of difference between today's Christianity and what was going on back then. You know, when a nation comes to that place, it is absolute open rebellion towards God from an unbelieving and an unfearful heart towards the Lord. And the Bible says very clearly that God's going to judge that. My friend Satan has come out of the shadows. You, know, you look back 20 or 30 years, there's always been sin, there's always been evil. But the devil worked in the shadows. He's not in the shadows anymore. He has come out, darkness has come out blatantly and openly, unshamefully, unfearfully before God. And people are doing things that I in my lifetime thought I would never, you would have never convinced me when I was a young man that I would see the things that I'm seeing now. I would have been like, no way, not in America, oh yeah. Well beyond what I ever thought that I would see in America. And I can't imagine what the next 20 years is coming. But understand this. Satan's come out of the shadows and he has declared war on the Lord and his saints. And it says he's going to do that. The Bible is always true. And we can try to reason it away. And I know some of you are trying to swallow your stomach this morning when you look at the truth. And I hope that that this is a a wake-up call for us because it's a wake-up call for me when I... When I turn on my computer and I look at Christian news, because I don't like to look at the other stuff, but I look at the Christian news and the laws that are being passed dealing with homosexuality and the laws that are being passed on the murder of innocent babies, where you can pass a law in the United States of America that if a child can be aborted even up until the point of its birth, and if it still remains alive, you can leave it laying on a cold metal table just to die like a stinking dog. We ain't warped. That's not spiritual warfare. And the devil's not trying to hide anymore. It's just open and it's blatant. And the Bible says in Isaiah, Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil. And that's where we are. Right. When you look at, you know, and I'll get into it later, but when you look at what the Bible refers to in this chapter of Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, He is the prince of the power of the air. You know, the airwaves is what controls this country. TV airwaves, radio airwaves, internet, all those things. And I think Satan is in control of those things and and just molding the thought process of our youth. It's molding the process of older people. We're diving into social media and listening to everything that is feeding us. And the most least read, studied, sought-after thing is the most greatest and the powerful, freeing truth that you could ever have. And that's the Word of God. When you look at your own life and you go, how does my seeking after God, the study of God's word, the desire for truth, me making the stand upon the word of God, not out of some hard-headed traditional religion. I think we've had enough of that. I think we've had enough in the church of people's opinions. And they're and they're getting angry because of ignorance of God's Word, speaking out what they think and ready to divide over it, rather than simply speaking the truth of God's Word in grace and love and going, you do what you want to do with that. But this is truth, and I believe it. And if you compare the time you spend with the two, I would be willing to bet, for most people, the scales are not even close. And the question is, do we really take this serious? Wow. So when you look at this... And the reality of spiritual warfare becomes truth in your life. Because here's the thing, there's people all over this crowd that were standing in a test to go, at one point in time in my life, and I'm one of them, I was very passive about this. You know, I understood that there's lost people. I always believed in in hell, you know, and always was in shock when one of my friends died that was lost. I go, oh, I never never thought about that. You know, I didn't think I I thought I would have more time, you know. One of these days I would invite them to church, but now they're dead and in hell, and I can't get that opportunity anymore. Oh, well, maybe next time. Y'all with me? I'm the only one here. And I was very passive and flippant about it until it got real personal and up close in my life. And I went through some things that was beyond a flat tire or a financial crisis to where it almost destroyed me, my family, other people. And it's been multiple times to where I think the Lord's like, all right, you know, if you're going to get way out there and all of a sudden you just get a little taste of it. And I've just got a little taste. It doesn't even scratch the surface of what some people have been attacked. And what we open ourselves to. And I beg parents this morning, especially parents of little kids, please understand, he's hunting your kids. He is hunting your kids, and he wants to do any and everything to do. And you, not your child, okay? If you're here and you get offended at this, please be offended. If you are a moron that says, well, I just let little Johnny make his own decisions, you're blatantly contradicted to the word of God, it's blasphemy, and God's gonna judge you as a parent. God put those kids, it is a gift from God to put them in your life. And you should raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. Teach God's word to them because it is the most number one important thing. Because if little Johnny grows up and plays in the NBA and becomes the world's greatest slaughterer and the president of the United States and dies and goes to hell, it's no different than a pauper who lives behind Walmart in the woods. You understand what I'm saying? And God's called us. That's part of being a Christian. That's one of the main parts, if you ask me. It's not about going to church. It's about the reality of eternity. Now, how do you respond and prepare for battle? When you look at this scripture, and I'm, you know, stay with me. I'm not going to be real long this morning. If you need to go, you can go. But I I got a lot of things, but I'm just going to give you one this morning, okay? It says in verse 10, And when he says finally, he's going back to, you know, Ephesians, we talked about all the goodness of God. All that you have in in chapter 1 that Jesus has accomplished for you. All that he's done for you. You look at all the goodness. Like Jeremy said, thank God. We've got so much that we can thank the Lord for. Everything because of what Jesus has done. Okay, That he's done for us. And he says finally. And because of all of this, I've given you all this information. But I want you to come to one truth that you're in a warfare. There's Paul understood a battle. And he said, My brethren, be strong in the Lord. Don't just skip over that. Think about it. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. He says that before he says to put on the armor. Why? Armor is no good when worn by a weakling. Do you understand? You take a 90 pound average woman, you put all the armor you want to on her, and I'm going to beat her like a dog. That's right. Just be honest. Don't test me on that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you want to test that, we'll just go <laughs> yeah, You know i <laughs> right. Because there's no comparison. You understand that? The armor is no good unless there's strength underneath it.
1: That's right.
0: And we can do all of this Bible reading and church going and and even, you know, praying and all the, all the process of it. But if you on your inner man are not strong in the Lord, and get this, the Lord's strong in you. That inner person, you can have all the knowledge of God's word. It's no different. I could sit there and watch that video. And I do, I do love watching the jiu-jitsu. I've never even done it. I come messed around with Nathan one day. He handed it to me, and I said, this is not for me. And so I'm too old, you know. So anyway, but I, but I love watching it. I watch the UFC and that kind of stuff. And I've watched hours of fights on the UFC. And just I'm fascinated by those things. And I watch it, and I watch it. But I'm telling you right now, you take a man that knows that stuff, and he comes against me. Unless i got a gun, I'm not going to have a whole lot of hope.
1: And I can watch
0: it. Here's the thing. I can watch it and watch it and watch it. And I can tell you the moves. I know the names. I can tell you how some of them go. But if I've never practiced it, if I've never come to a place to go, I need to know this. To the point like Nathan when he goes, I just, I just love it. What would happen if you just loved God's Word like that? To where you put it into practice. Most of you can probably quote this scripture. You can probably finish my message this morning before I do. But the question is, are you putting it into practice to where it becomes your nature? In Gracie boys, and I, most of them are believers, aren't they? You know, they profess Christ. Most of them Gracie boys, they don't weigh 50 pounds, it looks like but they could, they could twist me up in a ball and snap joints I didn't even know I had. And they don't even have to think about it. You know why? They've done it so many times over and over and over and put it into practice and they love it so much it will be just like whoa, 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 and it's over. For me, I'd be like oh, I have what I need to here and how do I need to get out of this chokehold I'm going to pass out in. You understand? what? I'm? And I think there's so many believers that you think because you have a head knowledge of God's Word. Oh yeah, I know that. And I know what you're going to say and I know what this is leading to and all that but when the devil comes in and he pounces on you, you don't have a clue what to do. That's right. And when you have the opportunity to engage in the battle and talk to people about the Lord and to try to share God's Word and give somebody truth and hope, it's just a blank mind. Because you've never ingested it. It's never become who you are. And God's Word has to become who we are in our inner man to strengthen us in the Lord. How do you do that? I think the number one factor is time with Jesus. Not just time in the church service, but you and the Lord personally together having time. You remember in Acts chapter four and verse thirteen when when there was a violence against the church, and they brought I believe it was Peter and John, they stood them before the council, you know, and they were coming against them, possibly gonna put them to death. And, and and Peter spoke out and he spoke the word of God, and it said, They knew that these men were ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't a bunch of Bible knowledge, a bunch of scripture quoting that they recognized. They were like, no doubt, they've spent some time with Jesus. And that's what gave them courage, and that's what gave them boldness, and they were strong in the Lord. We need not only realize the battle, but also that we can't fight without the Lord. You can't fight the devil. Flesh and blood can't war against the Spirit. And if you're going to try to hold your marriage together, lead your children in the right way, and hopefully, you know, you, if you're trying to do that men, because we're the leader, if you're trying to do that in a physical way, I don't need all that Bible stuff. I don't need all that church stuff. You just let me take care of you, baby. I'll I make plenty of money. You ain't got to worry about nothing. I'll take care of it. And, and we try to, you know... By our kids' righteousness, buy our, you know, hold everything together like that, man. The devil just sitting there going, I cannot wait. I'm mean, right. he's just like a roaring eyes. Like, I'm crouched, I'm ready, and when I get my moment, boom. I'm gonna hammer you, big boy, and all all of your abilities and all of your accomplishments and all of these things that you think you're holding together ain't gonna hold nothing.
1: That's right.
0: And so in that I have to come to a place to go, and I, you know, here's where I'm at, as believers, as your pastor. Man, it's easy for me not to spend time with the Lord. I know the Bible pretty much, you know, I'm I'm not saying, I'm saying I've studied and read, and there's not a whole lot of scripture unless you get into Nahum or Obadiah or something like that. As far as New Testament, I've at least read it, it's familiar with it, and be easy for me just to get relaxed. After 20 years of ministry to go, Hey, you know, I don't need to memorize Scripture. No, I pretty much know it. And just to let down your guard. And all of a sudden the devil's like, This is what I've been waiting for. So this is the time. And i got to come back to a place to go, I need the Lord. I need to know how many degrees you've got, no matter how many times you speak, who you represent, how many people you've won to the Lord. Maybe you're a soul winner and you've won a thousand people to the Lord. You let down your guard and that's the moment He's waiting for. Who knows what devastation He's going to bring into your life? Or who knows how many people are going to suffer because you get complacent and lazy. And so, look in real quick, Romans chapter 13. Stay with me. I'm I'm, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you out one of these days. If you need to go, you can go, and you're not gonna hurt my feelings at all. And even if you do, I won't tell you. All right. Looking in Romans chapter thirteen. I want you to see this. Please, if you have your Bible, look there, because what I say doesn't matter. Paul writing here and he says, And do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. He's talking to the church. Verse 11, chapter 13 of Romans. High time to awake out of sleep. Sometimes we who've been in the church the longest are the ones who snore the loudest. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You say, what does that mean? It's not talking about hope I'm saved. It means that God's accomplishing that and your absolute total finishing process of your salvation is closer now than when you believe. The time that you're going to see Jesus, the time where you're fully redeemed, you're a whole lot closer to it now than you was even a day ago, two years ago, 20 years ago. And that tells us the closer that we get, it's not time to put it in relax. It's time to kick it into high gear. It's high time. Wake up out of your sleep. Wake up out of the things that the devil has lulled to sleep in your life. And notice what it says. The night is far spent, the day. is talking about the day of the Lord is at hand. Therefore, talking to God's people, let us cast off the works of darkness. Like, man, God's people have the works of darkness in them? That's what he says. And let us put on the armor of light. When I talk about time with Jesus, this, I really, and just real quick, when I was studying this week, I got hung up on being strong in the Lord. You know, you can read the Bible and you can... You can get the verbiage of it, I guess, the Christianese. But when you look at it, you go, what exactly does that look like? What does it mean? How do I go about What is the process of me becoming strong in the Lord and and spending time with Jesus? You know, you battle darkness with light. The Bible calls us the children of light. We are the light of the world. And we are in great need of casting off darkness. So I think in, in my life as a witness, there is a lot of things that I let into my life into my mind into the way i live sometimes into my family sometimes into our church it is just darkness and we we go along with those things and the next thing you know it's darker and darker and the light's you know smaller and smaller and there's no difference between my life and the life of the average lost person and here's the thing We've seen the outpouring of darkness. What we need to do is we need to cast off the works of darkness in my life so that God can fill us with His life and there be an outpouring of light. Light is always greater than darkness. And God needs our lives to where we come to Him. And here's what I mean by, heres I'll give you the first simple, redneck, uneducated step to spending time with Jesus and being strengthened in the Lord. I think number one, it starts with humility and honesty. Every one of us come to a place where we go, if I look in my life and see that I'm not just a burning, raging fire for Jesus, I'd have to be honest with the Lord. I'm talking about out, out loud. Not before the church. Okay. Unless you just got to. I'd rather you not. But just you and the Lord, where you speak out loud. Don't give me that. Well, the Lord knows my thoughts. He knows. Talk it out loud. You'll see a difference. You'll see a great difference when you come to the Lord and go, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. I've got my weaknesses. Here they are. My sin, here it is. My struggles, God, you know them, but I want to speak them. What are you doing there? The Bible says, put on the armor of light. How do you do that? You bring everything into the light. The Bible says that as children of God in John chapter 3, we come into the light. We don't avoid the light. Here's the thing, and I had some things this week. I did. This is a message to me. I had some things that I had going on in my head and in my life that, you know, I'm like, the Lord knows it. You know, He knows where I'm at with this. Da-da-da. He knows my weakness and all my struggle. But it was very different for me to out loud humble myself before God and go, Lord, this is my weakness. I don't even like to talk to you about this. Right. But here's the thing. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of, Amen. not judgment, but grace. And so I come to the Lord and I was like, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is my doubts. You have doubts in your pastor? Lord, these are my doubts. These are my weaknesses. These are my struggles. So what good does that do? Because all of a sudden, you're taking what you're warring with, you're taking the darkness and the wickedness in your heart, just like Satan's trying to squanch, if that's a word, the light. He's trying to squeeze it out, cover it up in you and your life. I don't want this, Lord! Here's the thing, we just sang the song. He knows Psalm 139, when you lay down, when you rise up, there's no place you hide. The Lord loves you enough to pursue you wherever you go. He's like, I know you. I know your weaknesses. I know your sins. I know your strengths. Bring them to me. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he offers grace. Because he's our only hope and our only strength. And when we come honestly and openly before the Lord, something happens. That's That's putting off darkness. That's casting off the work of darkness. To go, God, this is where I'm at. I don't know. I've tried to fix it. I've tried to break the habit. I've tried to stop this. I've tried to change it. And it's still here, Lord. I want to bring it to you. I want to humble myself to go, God, I can. This is where I'm at. Even to not just sin, but even to go, Lord... My weakness is, you know, I can't stand standing up in front of all those people and and, and every week trying to bring something that's going to hold their attention and blah, 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 I'm just anxious over it and da, 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 and I know that I should after this long a period be very comfortable, but I'm not God and I'm ready to quit and this is my weakness, Lord. Like, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. So is that where you're at? That's where I was. Now let me give you another verse. You can turn if you want to. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Most of you know this scripture. But I want you to listen to it. I'm going to read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 and 10 says this. Remember Paul prayed he had this thorn weakness in the flesh. And he prayed that God would take it away. God didn't take it away. But here was the Lord's response to him. <clears throat> he said, The Lord said in verse uh, 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength, listen to this, my strength, God's strength, is made perfect in your weakness. How do you strengthen yourself with the Lord? You have to become weak. You have to come to the place to where you go, you can't, listen to me, you can't be saved until you become weak. Right. If you think you're strong enough to say yourself, God's like, oh, let's try all you want to. But when I come to the place to humble myself to God and go, God, I can't fight this battle. I can't seem to overcome. And I'm seeking you. I'm asking you. I'm trusting you. I'm obeying you, God's eye. I'm fixing to show you what strength and power is. And you become strong in the Lord and the power of His mind. Notice what it says. Paul said, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, Satan wants to Keep your sin and your weakness and the and your struggles and your infirmities and all all the things he wants he wants you to make you feel lesser and, and keep it a secret and wants you to Facebook this wonderful life that you're having and how everything's all great and and the Facebook smiles but when you click it off you know what's going on you understand what I'm saying and Satan's like don't let don't let it, don't even let the Lord know this is going on. Oh, what would Jesus think about you if he knew that you had those thoughts? What would he think about you if he knew you responded in that way? What would he, how can God ever use you knowing your past? How, how could you even think about you're going to be involved in the battle knowing right, right now at this moment, not your past, but now, right now you've got this going on in your life. Keep it to yourself. The church would just gasp if they knew that. And most people sitting in a Baptist church today are sitting right there going, I don't want anybody to know, especially Jesus. And you are in the bondage of darkness. And I can say, I ain't telling you. But here's where I'm at. When I bring my weaknesses before the Lord and go, God, here's where I'm at. Lord, I'm struggling awfully with this sin and that sin and this sin and these sins and all this stuff and pride and arrogance and anger and temper and my mouth and, and covetousness and envy and jealousy. Did I cover that? Everything you ever got? Murder. Because I've got a couple people I just hating on, Lord. Ain't, the, ain't none of y'all hating on nobody? Huh? Let's be real. God wants us to be real. Let's bring it into the lie. Don't confess it to me. I can't help you. But listen to me. You come to the Lord and go, you know what, God? I'm just, I know that I shouldn't, God, because your word says I'm supposed to love, but I'm hating this person right now. God, I don't want to hate this person because it's eating me alive. Can you please help me find forgiveness? Can you please help me? Have mercy. And God's like, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. It doesn't say for just, you know, well, I miss church. Well, my grace is sufficient for you, but don't bring anything else. Your deepest, darkest sins, your your biggest anxieties, your doubts and your fears. God's okay with your doubts. God, I heard something. You young people, it's okay if you doubt. But seek the truth. That's right. Because if you seek the Lord, you'll find it. Amen. And then finishing up, I want to say this. Maybe today, maybe now, is your time to respond. When you begin to look at this for what it is, to become honest before the Lord and make your appeal. You come honest to the Lord. You know what? You made your confession. Now make your appeal. What are you appealing for? Don't appeal for, oh God, help, help me to do better. Lord, be patient with me when I get it in order. Mm -mm, God, I'm appealing for mercy and grace. I'm appealing for your power, for your strength, for you to fight this battle. I'm appealing for your direction, for your discernment, for your wisdom, God. I'm appealing. I just want to find myself surrendered to you. You know, isn't that what the cross is for? The cross cries out, come to me. Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me. Any man could come. He invites any woman, man, and child to come. Bring every. You're not going to bring anything that the that Jesus at the cross goes. Oh, can't do that. I don't, that's too big for me. Oh, that's too dark. That's too wicked. That's too much doubt. He's like, you bring it. You bring it before me. You lay it down. You surrender, and you see what I can do with your life." That's what the message and the good news of the gospel is. And so I challenge you this morning, maybe, I don't care what yesterday brought. But when you come to the reality, maybe you're the complacent Christian who isn't doing anything. Maybe you're the dad who never you've never prayed with your children. You've never read the scripture. You don't live like Jesus in front of your wife and kids. Maybe you're the wife who who's not yielded to your husband's leadership and you're always bringing him down. And you're and you're more concerned about the bills than you are the spiritual reality of the home. All right, let's be honest. Now that we're honest, what are we going to do? We're going to surrender to God's calling and purpose in our life to offer ourselves, as the Bible says, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And I challenge you this morning to humble yourself. I'm not challenging you. you know, if you want to come up here, that's great. Being you humble yourself right where you are, too. That's right. Humble yourself before the Lord. Bring your sins. Bring your falls, your failures, your excuses. How many people here today that you know God's dealing with you about a calling in your life and you made so many excuses? Or maybe you've had so many failures. Then bring them. Bring them to the Lord. Come honestly before the Lord and go, Alright Lord, at one point in time I, I got into the battle. And it didn't go how I thought. And it up upset me. God I even got mad at you. The Lord's like, I'm okay with that. Let's just be honest. Let's deal with this. But I'm here to tell you, make your appeal for God's grace. Because we find grace and we find power. And that's what the Bible talks about. Putting on the armor of light. Putting on Christ. You can come here. This is the most awesome thing. You can come here this morning. And you can walk in, just so you'll have rest in your mind, I'm finished, okay? You can come here this morning, and you can walk into this building, and you can come in with some of the most darkest things in your life that people can't even imagine. Maybe it took place yesterday. You can walk in wicked, God-hating even. And you can walk out of here a child of God, fully redeemed, Holy, forgiven, received God's mercy and grace and favor and love and walk out covered in His light and His goodness and His blessing. So how, how can all that happen just by me sitting here listening? It can. not It happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus fought the battle that I'm talking about and won it on your behalf so that you can simply come in, sit down, and receive what He's provided for you because He loves you that much. Right. The question is, will you leave wearing something different than you walked in carrying? Man, unload it this morning. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed and let's have a word of prayer? Father, I love you. I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you that you invite us to be a part of of the greatest thing that has ever been seen on the face of this earth. Your kingdom, your purpose, God, your glory. I thank you, Lord, that you just don't treat us like robots. But God, you give us an invitation we can either respond to with an humble heart and say yes or no. God, you can use us in ways that we can't even imagine. To bring hope. To be a part of somebody's eternal salvation. To see families and marriages restored. To see people whose lives like mine were going down the a road of destruction and to turn it around by your grace and by your power to give somebody hope in a new life to redeem us. God, we could go on and on of your goodness and your glory. Let us not belittle the power of the blood of Jesus and magnify darkness and sin. God, there is no sin. There is no life of darkness. There is no work of Satan. That the blood of Jesus can't wash away, overcome, and redeem to make us totally whole and new. And to give us the ability to accomplish whatever it is you call us to. God, may we find ourselves surrendered at your feet today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.